when we think of music, we think of rappers or singers. But our next guest has his hands on every aspect of music. He's a producer, he's a mariachi, and he's much more. To top it all off, he's creating a documentary on the downtown Santa Ana music scene. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Alex Mascorro. Thank you. Thank you, Omar, for having me. Um, my first question for you is, uh, who is Alex Mascorro? What do you do and where are you from? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, I was born and raised in Santa Ana, so... I like to, uh, I guess, uh, give myself the title of uh, Santanero. Um, Alex Mascorro, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's like, a, I guess, like me, like as a musician, it's, uh, it's many things. Um, it's really hard to encompass of like what I do exactly. Uh, so I like to just say I'm an overall like, uh, like musician and artist um, because I don't think... Um, I can be constricted to one single, uh, one single thing. Um, I do multiple things that uh, musicians and artists all alike um, are capable of doing. Okay. That's a very humble response. <laughs> um, so, I guess, I know I've known you from high school. Um, I know you, you have both an associate's and a bachelor's degree in music. And may I ask why you chose music when you went to school? So when I was a kid, um, I believe uh, hearing my mom play a lot of mariachi music and just seeing mariachis as a kid, uh, the violin really attracted um, my ear the most. And a lot of people remember being in third grade, being forced to play the, the recorder, <laughs> the, the flute. And... Uh, I guess I was just like really into it. Uh, like even before, like I was even introduced to music as a, as a kid. So I did the whole music theory test and everything to see uh, where they can place me. And I got my first choice as a violinist and I got really excited. I would always practice um, every day. And uh, I was uh, doing really well as a, as a violinist starting off, um, I was part of like the honor orchestra and the Santa Ana Unified School District. Um, I was a concert master uh, for like several years until, until like my freshman year of high school because um, in high school they didn't allow me to join orchestra because they said, oh, it doesn't fit in your schedule. So that kind of took a little toll on me. But um, I also remember being put into uh, mariachi classes by my parents uh, so I can learn a little bit more. But as a kid, you know, you don't really like the th same things as your parents do. So I didn't really enjoy it, like, fully as I do now. But I, cho I chose music going into college because um, once I started getting in into music again at Segerstrom High School, which was in my junior year of high school, I, you know, did the whole honor orchestra thing, not as a concert master, um, my uh my good old friend uh I believe his name was Carlos uh he was a concert master he's a he's another great violinist um in case you guys don't know what concert master is he's the violinist who sits in the first chair right next to the conductor he's kind of like in charge of like um a lot of things like tuning the orchestra and like make sure everyone's like you know falling the same way he plays and um and so 
I started uh, playing music again in high school, junior year. And I just remember um, the reason why I liked it a lot. And I was doing some mariachi classes here and there, but I still wasn't really into it. Um, my parents weren't really like fully supportive of me, like trying to be a, like a musician. So I did the whole route, like being an engineer. Uh, straight out of high school, I got accepted to like um, engineering schools uh, with that focus, like such as Cal Poly Pomona. But um, long story short, I ended up going to Portland State University, uh, maybe for not the, the best reasons, but it pushed me in the right direction. Because when I was there, um, school didn't really work out and my living situation didn't work out there. So I, I had to come back to, to Santa Ana and I went back home um, to Santa Ana College. And that's really where my transition into music started. So I remember I had to take some uh, general electives and I tried taking orchestra, but it didn't count as my, uh, my GE. Because I said, well, I used to do this. Um, I, can, I can easily uh, just take this out of the way. And I noticed that one GE that could count was music theory. And I said, oh, that's, that's easy. I already know how to read sheet music and all that. Um, so when I, you know, I, t I took it, um, and I remember me meeting John Marr, the professor. And he's this really, like, one of the best professors I ever met in all my college career. And he said, there is this program called the, let's see, it's the Applied Music Program, where you get private lessons one-on-one -on -one with, with a professor that plays your instrument uh, for, like, I believe one hour a week. And that's something that's, like, really expensive to do on your own. So I said, you know what? Um, he said, you should uh, audition if you ever played an instrument. I said, why not? And I remember uh, also, like, at the same time, I was still trying to do my engineering thing and taking all these math classes. And I was failing then, and I was, like, just having a, a bad time transitioning into college. So um, I auditioned, and I remember I had this uh, this Bach piece, uh, Partita, uh, I believe, Partita number two in, in D minor. And I said, I, I played this a couple of times. Let me warm up and try to just audition with this. And I remember auditioning in front of um, the, the uh, old uh, like, uh, chair, uh, chair for the program of music at Santa College. I believe his name. I can't remember his name. But I remember seeing like, all the faculty sitting there in the, in the audience and me on the stage auditioning for them. And I remember... Um, that man, the chair, like stopping me halfway through the song. It's like, all right, all right, all right, stop. And I was like, damn, oh. I didn't like it. <laughs> but he was like, I see some potential. We'll let you into the program. Oh. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so that's that's when I, I said, you, that's when I like basically, like immediately just went to like admissions and said, I'm going to change majors. That's like that moment when, you knew. when I did that. Oh, sweet. so. And and that's that's because I I did see the potential. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do with it, but the only way to know what you're gonna do with it is by actually um, being really dedicated to what you're studying. Because you can't just say, "Oh, there's nothing in that," if you don't actually participate yeah. in that field. So that's why I chose music when I went to school in that that moment right there. So in that 
prior or before to that moment, like before you even entered the room, were you a hundred, were you a hundred convinced, hundred percent convinced that you wanted to do music or no? It was that moment. Not, not, not really. Uh, I wasn't really convinced even like after the fact, um, it's like a really, it was like a really slow transition. Um, just because not necessarily, I didn't have the support from like family and all that. It's a, it's just a stigma. Um, that like, you know, when you go to college and you don't study the right majors or fields that have the money that people tend to doubt, uh, what you're going to do with it. And that's why uh, you have to really show yourself. You, you can't prove it to anyone. Um, it's not, it's not for anyone else. No one cares, uh, about you, uh, more than you do. And that's, that's how it should be. You have to care about yourself the most. And I just remember uh, just being like, just I, I was just doing the music theory just to get out of the way because I knew I could do that. And I was just trying to like pass through Santa College to like transfer over to the next stage. But when I did that audition, I, I, I wasn't like really prepared to audition in the first place because I haven't had a private lesson to learn these these pieces for solo violin because um, they're just really difficult music because they're made to show off how to play violin so that way other people can hear the potential and luckily they did hear the potential yeah. um, maybe they, they stopped it because they're like yeah this guy needs needs some work but I can see that he used to play maybe that's yeah. that's what they he's a little raw that. but he has it. yeah like I, I can tell he plays Sweet. so I mean, it's only it's only been recent when I really feel like I've been um, more dedicated into into that career path. Um, so yeah. Okay, so you've mentioned a couple times that your parents weren't really supportive, um, which to me, I mean, I know growing up Hispanic household, like anything other that isn't like a lawyer, like a businessman, mm-hmm. sort of like your parents ask like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Right. (laughs) So, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the support system that you got or that you didn't receive? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I would say it's more like 90% supportive and 10% unsupportive. Um, just because I feel like they just don't understand how, how like uh, the college system works and, what music is in this and like in this country um i feel like they supported me in every way and they still do to this to this very day um it's just it's just at those moments um i feel like they were just like maybe mad and disappointed that you know i went to like portland state and came back and they just think i'm like giving up huh. like i'm not yeah i can't just jump in like i don't know it's it takes time to to do things it's not a race but I mean, yeah, they're way more supportive because I mean, you know, they they do things where like from like you know housing financially, um, there's so many things. The only thing that they didn't really support is just the fact that I want to do music. But to this day, I don't really think they care what I what I do as long as they see like progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as my my cousin would say, as long as they don't see me in the house, they don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay so that you i guess you could say they eased up on the like mm-hmm. giving you a tough time yeah definitely and then 
I like went full stalker mode on your Instagram. So <laughs> that's okay. I saw that that's in good research. Yeah, that's what I call it. Um, <laughs> and I was careful not to like any pictures because I was like, oh, this guy's gonna think I'm weird. But I'm doing my research. Um, I saw that in 2016 you were DJing. Is that something you still do? And like, how fun was that? So I wouldn't uh, really consider myself a, a DJ because uh, what DJ stands for is disc jockey. And there's no really real disc jockeys anymore nowadays. The, the term has obviously evolved. But um, it's, it's something I, I do uh, business-wise and also um, for fun. And honestly, I think DJing is something that also pushed me further in the music direction. Uh, I'll get I'll get into that in a in a bit, but DJing um, isn't something I do so often um, as a career because it's it's definitely a good career. It's something I do more in the community at the moment where I DJ music, but I'm also the sound guy. I've done some like random uh, DJing gigs, and it's a lot of fun. It's less stressful than everything else I do. Um, but sometimes it is stressful if you don't know the crowd and you don't practice because DJing is a musical instrument too. Um, and if you don't know how to work the crowd and work the music, um, they can tell and it, it throws off the whole vibe. But uh, DJing is definitely something that's influenced um, my like, like music uh, choice. So I remember back in high school, or actually middle school, I used to be obsessed with um, Daft Punk. This is um, this duo of French DJs, and I remember hearing their their live album called Alive 2007, and I remember hearing all their music like you know just on their studio albums, and then I hearing their music at the live concert, and I was like, "There's no way they could have DJed that. It's physically impossible to to do that. Um, they would have had to like." I don't know, like, chop up all those, like, samples and try to work with two decks and all that. I was like, they, they must have done something else. Because a, a normal DJ with their two vinyls, two decks, um, even three decks or four decks sometimes, sure, they can, like, move out of, like, these different songs, but the songs are already the way they are. Daft Punk, the way they were doing it, they were, like, doing acapella parts and then sometimes only using the drums from this song and this and that. And it makes sense. They're, they're the owners of their music, so they can do that. But the way they did it was, was really weird. So I did some research. And they, they DJed um, with a bunch of, like, MIDI hardware, which is a bunch of, like, a fancy, like, mouses and keyboards that control the stuff that's happening on a music program that helps them DJ. And that program was Ableton Live. And so when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta see how they did this. And so I downloaded the program, the free trial. I kept on making fake emails every month so that way I could keep using it for free. Um, they eventually caught on and just blocked, blocked it. <laughs> um, but I found ways how to get the program because it's an expensive program. Like, I forget how much, like 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, me in high school and middle school, I can't afford that. So I was on YouTube researching how, how, they, uh, how Ableton works and how they, they put the whole concert together and I recreated um their one hour concert like after like months and months of like research and that's when I got into the music production side. I was like, 
hey, Ableton is a really cool program. Is this how people make music? Because I, I, I didn't know. I wasn't thinking that way. I didn't know these things existed because you don't get exposed to it and um, in the music programs at school. So you have to expose yourself on your own, even accidentally. And so I started uh, using Ableton to make uh, beats of my own. Um, and I just remember doing research on like uh, famous um, like albums that are considered the best of all time, including hip hop albums. And I would do a lot of research on how do they make these beats? Like, how do they sample this? And I used Ableton to like chop up like the samples from, you know, these like, um, like funk songs and get just the, the drums and, and then recreate the, the hip hop beat. And obviously they did it a different way because they didn't have computers, but I was learning how to do it the, the new digital age way because I wanted to learn because I didn't know this, these things existed. So because of like uh, my obsession of like DJing and all this and, and like hip hop and Daft Punk and a bunch of other artists, um, it pushed me in that direction a little bit more, even though I didn't see it yet. Do you play any other instruments besides the violin? Yeah, so I've uh, recently, I mean, I've, I've learned like, uh, like piano guitar when I was a kid, but I really started learning piano like back in like high school with, uh, I forgot the piano teacher, but it was just like elective, elective class. And I wanted to do some like fun classes. So I did piano. It's like, I can easily like, like learn this again. And um, I still play piano. Um, piano is really good for people who uh, make beats. And because I can, you know, use my MIDI device, like, which looks like a little piano and, you know, play out all the music. So that way I don't have to use my, my you know, mouse and click notes. <laughs> but, um, and then um, I also learned a uh, guitar and I did, I did uh, guitar classes in Santa Ana College and also piano classes. And it was recently uh, when I was in the Cal Poly Pomona Mariachi, is that when, like, which I joined like two years ago, I slowly started learning all these other instruments in, in mariachi. Like, I also picked up uh, the vihuela and guitarron. So the vihuela is this five-string instrument that's similar to a guitar. And it's like the percussive instrument. Since we don't have drums, we have the vihuela. And the guitarron is the bass instrument. And um, I got the guitarron as a gift. And I bought the viola from a friend from the, from the mariachi at Cal Poly Pomona. And I just remember like, uh, like just learning these instruments. Because I've always wanted to learn them. Because I'm like, I just want to learn all these instruments. So that way, whenever people ask me to do a gig for them, they have options. They're like, oh, can you, instead of playing violin, can you play viola? So it was more for like business wise. So that way I have more financial opportunities in the mariachi gigging uh, community. And the good thing about learning all these instruments is that I've been using them to cover like popular songs, but with mariachi instruments. And, uh, and another instrument I, I started learning recently, a couple months ago, I bought a trumpet. Uh, Cause again, it's another mariachi instrument. And, uh, and it's so much fun because it reminds me of like being a kid and learning a new instrument, how it feels, it just feels really fun. Like it's just like, it's the best thing for, for anyone to do. I, I recommend everyone learn um, an instrument, whether it be singing or like an instrument like piano would be good for, for beginners 
of music in general. It's uh, it opens up your mind. Music should not uh, just be considered uh, a hobby, but it also could be a career or vice versa. So those are some of the instruments I I know. Okay, um, so you you want to keep learning um, instruments, correct, or as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've been talking about like throughout this podcast about you treating it as like a career and a business. How do you go about it when you treat it as a business? Like, do you have people calling you or do you reach out to them and be like, Hey, I could perform at, I don't know, your restaurant at your event. So the unfortunate thing about music is that, um, I mean, well, at least in, in like our societies that you have to like, you know, feed and house, house yourself. So you need to treat it like as business as anyone else would treat anything else. Um, I, I treat it as a business as whenever I invest in something, like let's say like that trumpet that I'm, I invested in, like um, it's going to, I'm going to make the money back eventually in like, who knows, maybe like years from now because <laughs> it's a difficult instrument to learn and uh, I'm such a beginner. But I view it as, a, as an investment because later on I can tell people, oh, you need a trumpet player. I also play trumpet. So I know all the instruments in the mariachi. It's an investment. Um, that's why I, that's why I practice more mariachi music than I do classical music because mariachi has paid for more things, uh, and I can reinvest in myself than classical music has. Now that's not to say that there isn't money in in classical. It's just I haven't found the the way to invest in it, and. Um, and I want to, honestly, because I sometimes, like, promote that, hey, I can, I have a string quartet. I don't. But the way a, a business is, is you have to say you can do it, and then you figure out how to do it later. Because uh, that's what I do sometimes. Like, whenever people call me or I, or I, like, advertise myself that, hey, I have a mariachi, I don't. The mariachi community is a bunch of freelancing musicians. It's based on trust. Trust that they're going to show up, they know how to play, and trust that they're trusting you that the gig is actually there and that you're going to pay them. I've never really experienced any uh, loss of trust in, in the mariachi community, which is why I still do it. Um, professors like uh, Dr. Vallejo of Cal Poly Pomona of the mariachi, she's the reason why I can even like do business and music. Cause, uh, She's kind of like pushed me into the mariachi community, and she just says it's honestly word of mouth. And for other things like uh, other things that I do, uh, the whole reason why I do mariachi covers is also an investment in myself. It's to keep practicing how to record, how to mix and master, and then how to do music videos, um, because I've had to invest lots of time on. How to learn all these like instruments? I have to learn how to play violin, um, guitar, you know, vihuela, guitaron. I have to learn how to do the song. I have to learn how to use the microphone. I have to learn how to use Logic Pro. I have to um, have to learn how to how to use that camera. Um, I have to learn how to like edit all those videos together. I have to learn how to synchronize the the music I recorded at home to the video I recorded, and make it look as if it were one one video um these are all investments 
that I see because people are going to see I can do this or they're going to look at it and be like, hey, can, can you bring a mariachi that does that? So it's really about um, showing things that you can do or even stretching the, the truth a little bit more and just uh, learning how to uh, do it and knowing people. That's really the only way you can really get by um, in, my, in my experience at the moment. Hello everyone, I am announcing the winner of this week's giveaway, courtesy of Jorge Ornelas. Follow Jorge on Instagram at jorge.ao or check out his jewelry line, Joan Los Angeles, on Instagram. The winner of this week's giveaway is at m underscore gone. You have 24 hours to claim the award or we will be giving it out to our next contestant. Oh, so I see that you, you help out or you're very like in touch with the community here in Santa Ana. And I see that you're part of, or I'm not sure if you're part of uh, Mo Better Mondays. Is that, is that part, like, are you part of that? And what do you do? So uh, Mo Better Mondays was uh, started by a same guy, uh, Vincent, a.k.a. Laws, who started the Cool Lab project, uh, the open mic at the 4th Street Marketplace on Thursday nights. Uh, Mo Better Mondays uh, started like this. I was at a, I was at a show in Long Beach with, with Frosty, Alaz, and the LC Hurricanes, and um, where we're, uh, where we're collaborating with them because uh, we were recording some music with them, so we want to go play it live to, to promote their new uh, album release, and uh, while we were watching the show, uh, Vincent, uh, it was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday before, MLK, uh, MLK Day, yeah. It was Sunday right before right before Monday. He said, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, uh, nothing because um, at the time I was in school, nothing because it was a holiday. And uh, he said, I'm starting this thing called uh, Mo Better Mondays. It's about like, um, you know, setting a goal on your Mondays, getting you moving and grooving, setting your goals in motion, this and that. Um, he's like, uh, it's more like a community discussion. Instead of like an open mic, it's more like an open community discussion. Uh, it's open to everyone. And uh, he was saying, I need a, I need a one-hour feature from you. Um, it pays as much. Can you do it? I was like, yeah, I'm down to do it. Um, and uh, he was just like, but we just need a host. And Frosty was next to me. Um, she's this local rapper um, who was, like, uh, like barely starting, I guess, like, like, the, like over a year ago. I mean, she's been uh, rapping before that, but she, um, she's uh, really been... Uh, like performing ever since Mobile to Mondays. Um, and so I turned uh, to her. I'm like, oh, she can do it. So right from the bat, like the next day, we had to just start this like new uh, event and live up to the expectations of the Cool Lab community because the Cool Lab has gone from like, you know, maybe like three people sitting in the patio, like um, eating their food and not paying attention to Vincent, you know, trying to start an open mic, say, all right, who wants to sign up? There's uh there's ten spots left to like people showing up and they're like there's no more spots left um like the line is full and there's like fifty people in line or something like that and it gets like packed so we had to live up to those expectations. Obviously it was the first day so not a lot of people showed up but it, it was still a pretty big turnout because we promoted at Kula. Um, and so I just um I I performed um a one hour set on the violin to uh, a bunch of uh, Latin music. I, I mainly made a, a mix of cumbias and just played violin to it. So I just removed the, the vocals and just instrumentals. 
Uh, so I did that for like a one hour set. Um, and the other hour, Frosty was trying to figure out what the show is about. She's like, this is Mo Better Mondays. Uh, just, um, you know, like uh, write your goals on into this blue notebook. Speak them out into existence. And uh, it took us a while to like figure out what to do. But, uh, you know, after a year, you know, we did the, the whole uh, Mo Better Monday anniversary. I brought a mariachi to San Las Mayanitas to the, to the event. And um, it still isn't as big as Mobile, I mean, uh, as Coolab, but um, it has a different crowd and vibe. And uh, I think it's nice that the right people show up. Um, the only thing I, I hope for in the future for Mobile Mondays is that since it's a community discussion, I really hope for um, people who we don't agree with to show up to the event. Uh, just because um, it tends to be a very political type of event. It doesn't have to be. It could be a simple goal as I just want to wake up, you know, before 9 a.m., like simple stuff like that. I want to eat less. Because uh, some people, like, you know, some people have those kind of goals and some people share their goals that are, like, you know, way more, which is which is good because the fact that they're even saying it shows that they're ready on to the next step. They're actually going to do it. And we keep them in check because they show up the next Next week, and we're like, what's your progress kind of thing. But uh, I really hope for that the Mobile Mondays, uh, you know, gets back into person again because um, Frosty has been putting in a lot of work uh, going on IG Live, and I can't really do much for her because IG Live isn't the best platform to host community discussions because I can't really do sound. Um, we can't really have features. Live music is horrible over IG Live. And, um, but yeah, like, like I said, once we're back in person, I really hope people who tend to be on, um, you know, who we just don't agree with show up to the event. So that way we can understand, you know, other people, mm -hmm. because I feel like it's be becoming uh, polarized and one-sided, even though I agree with that side, it's, it does no good if you just speak to people who already agree with you. We need to talk to people who don't agree with us. So... I know from like going through your Instagram that you're making a documentary, which I thought was really cool. Congrats on, I think you got a scholarship for that or you got a grant for that. Um, can you, sorry, can you talk about what the next music scene is? That's the title of the documentary, right? So unfortunately that documentary, a documentary is like on, like it's been halted to like complete stop. Um, the funding was enough to get the equipment, but in order to, like, continue it, there's no real budget for, like, a whole crew. Luckily, there's people who want and volunteer, but I don't really believe in that. I think everyone should get be paid um, to do their, their job because then they won't be able to continue doing it. Um, so the documentary, um, it, I'm not sure what it's going to be called, but it's definitely going to be on the Santa Ana music scene. That post you saw was for my senior exit, uh, like, final project at Cal Poly Pomona. And the reason the documentary came to be is because I was trying to do some kind of, like, project for my degree. And um, eventually the professor was like, well, what I see from what you're trying to do, like, I don't see any clear project that you're doing. So he said, like, what classes are you taking? And at the time, on my last semester, I was taking a... Uh, film uh, class how to use like cameras and how to use Adobe Premiere all that like filmmaking class and uh, 
my professor who was overseeing my senior project said, why don't you just make a documentary? And so um, luckily I got a grant and some people like donated money to it. Um, I've been using that camera for all my uh, mariachi covers. Um, so the money has been going um, like back to the community in that sense. Um, and I haven't really been able to film anything just because, you know, coronavirus has stopped the music scene. Um, but luckily, all of it's been recorded online, so I can just easily just take take those um, for any future of photography that we need. Um, what I've been thinking is pitching it to, like, Netflix. Like, hey, like, you guys have, like, a big audience space for documentaries. Um, you know, like, here's this idea. But I would need to show them some kind of product. Like, here's what I've done with no budget. Like, people are entertained buy the rights, <laughs> and then make the budget bigger so we can continue doing this. And then the other idea I got from the, the documentary is to make a documentary for uh, the mariachi scene here in Southern California, and then kind of expand the documentary to cover all mariachi and just make a documentary based on it. Like, like you know, make several seasons. Like, season one is about, like, the immediate, like, mariachi community here, and then Season two kind of go back to the roots and go to Mexico and ask people, like, what what does mariachi even mean? What does the word mean? Where did this come from? So those are the two documentary ideas I have on my plate. Um, and I think, honestly, I'm going to have to do it without a budget and just take those, um, you know, like like humble friends who uh, volunteer, like, hey, I'll help you out and just uh, start filming anything and just gather um, document the music scene so if there's anyone listening and like they want to help what would be the best way to like help you donate or like just reach out like if they have some expertise reach out to you and be like hey i could help yeah i feel like uh people with expertise should reach out because i feel like donations although greatly appreciated um it would be tough to um work with it just because i'm not an accountant who knows how to budget the money because uh, I did have to do that to apply to the grant. I had to make a budget, and luckily I got what I got for putting in some effort on that. But it's difficult. So if uh, someone wants to reach out on Instagram and want to help out, uh, I'm down to. Um, and some people have. But I just told them, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to keep you, like, waiting. Uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but I definitely need to make it hap- happen um, soon. So that way I have some kind of product to present to some kind of, you know, streaming service like that. So do you want to give your Instagram? So like if anyone. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Mascorro. So that's M-A-S-C-O-R-R-O underscore productions. What is some advice you would give someone starting a journey like yourself? Don't, don't let people tell you like, oh, like have a backup plan because if you aren't fully committed, um, it backfires on you because you're trying to do two things at once at that point. Um, what can the audience and myself expect from you in the future? Work on that uh, documentary and a documentary for the mariachi scene. The other thing is uh, I'm going to create more mariachi covers, um, bigger collaborations. I want to do one where I collaborate with hundreds of mariachis from different parts of the world. So that way um, we can show show off their talents and just show that um the community is really strong together and uh hopefully um oh i want to release um 
an album on Spotify with my Marichi covers. So, yeah. I think that concludes this episode. I just want to say thank you for like giving me your time. I know you're always pressed for time, so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, too.